Hello and welcome to Talking Teachers. Our episode today, we're really excited about it. We've got Amy Sayer, who's the author of the book Supporting Staff Mental Health in Your School. She's a mental health facilitator, a writer of various education publications. Um, She's head of philosophy and ethics at her school in Chichester. And she's been teaching for 14 years and enjoys working with other schools to help them on their journey to developing positive staff mental health policies and offering them support. I'm joined with my co-host, Oliver. Say hello, Oliver. Hi, it's nice to be here. Actually, really looking forward to talking to Amy. And our fantastic guest, Amy. Welcome, Amy. Hi, yeah, nice to speak to you both. Thank you for joining us today. Amy, you're a big voice on Twitter. You're a big voice in kind of the education sphere about mental health in um, schools. Tell us a little bit about the work that you do. I know I introduced you, but let's hear it from you. Yes, so um, about four years ago, I was uh, working in my school on the leadership team, thinking about how we can support students who are struggling, um, that are particularly vulnerable. And a big aspect of that was looking at how schools can support the mental health provision for students. But as I started to do that work, Um, and work with other adults in school, it became clear to me that there was uh, as great a need for staff mental health in school and that doing a course with people that are really like-minded and passionate about helping vulnerable students kind of opened up this dialogue in the school about how people have struggled themselves, how uh, they've needed support and just kind of opened up this whole new conversation about mental health that hadn't been happening on that sort of scale before. And so from that, we then had a team of uh, mental health first aiders in our school, and we worked towards uh, the Mental Health Award from Leeds Beckett University. And part of that is looking at staff mental health. And the more I kind of got into uh, the research behind it and what is going on for teachers, the more I thought there was kind of a gap uh, that wasn't being addressed by um, leaders in schools, by kind of academy chains. Um, and, and there were just some really clear practical things that I'd seen working in my school. And when I heard other people talking about their stories and realising kind of how alone they felt and how, you know, they didn't feel comfortable talking to their line managers, I Mm, thought something had to change. And so that's why I kind of wrote my book was to bring everything together um, as a set of like practical guidance, some case studies, but also um, a bit of kind of knowledge about things, because I think I was so lucky to do that mental health first aider course and I wouldn't have known those things like just as a teacher who'd been trained you know 10 12 years ago and so my hope for the book was that it would be kind of like a toolkit for anyone who was interested in mental health in their school to be able to pick up and take to their leadership teams and say hang on a minute like why aren't we thinking about this because actually it could change a lot of things for a lot of teachers in our school. Yeah, often I think the, the the most kind of organic things come from real life situations mm-hmm. um, and the fact that you recognised a need and a conversation that wasn't happening to open that conversation is, is really good and really yeah. vital. Um, I really hope that people use your book um, 
I really hope that people will implement some of the things inside. Then we're going to talk a little bit about what's inside the book and what kind of yeah. strategies um, school leaders and teachers can use. Interestingly, you mentioned mental health first aiders. Um, that's kind of been a new thing recently, hasn't it? Kind of a bit more popular to for schools to to get on board with. Do you think it's enough that someone goes on a mental health first aid course, then someone's assigned that kind of role of mental health first aider? Is it enough? No, I think I think I think the danger is that that can just be a tick box exercise mm, yeah. and it won't have a systemic and cultural change. And I think that the only reason it worked in my school was because there was a team of you know, 14 people that are across all different roles, um, which is really important because it wasn't about their, you know, their status or their role. It was about them caring um, yeah. and about them having access to children that were struggling with their mental health. And so from doing that course, we were then able to take it back and come up with a whole school strategy. So it wasn't just, we're just looking at pupil mental health because inevitably that's going to have a knock-on to staff mental health and we need to think about how parents feel about it and we need to think about the governors being behind it and it needs to be something that is part of the school from the beginning in assemblies you know displays around the school we need to get kids involved so they're trained up to be kind of mini mental health uh, Mm -hmm. first aiders and it just being something that is in every aspect of school life and that kids are then feeling more confident about identifying when they're struggling with their mental health in the same way that they would be with their physical health. Yeah. Is that something that was easy to open a conversation about then? Or or did it take a little bit of sort of pre-planning to to make sure that people took to that idea? I think the fact that our head teacher and leadership team had invested in staff doing that course Mm-hmm. and gave time to staff to meet to develop a strategy and then to launch it that was kind of the driving force because if your leadership yeah. team don't understand uh, enough kind of facts about mental health and how it's going mm. to affect people and they're not yeah. prepared to talk you know about how to look after their own mental health maybe mm-hmm. then it all sorts of it all will start to fall a bit flat as being a bit of a fad maybe yeah. whereas if they're, you know, they're supporting you driving it as a team of colleagues throughout the school. That is, I think, how it's worked best for us anyway. Yeah. And is that something that you've seen working in other schools as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think what's really nice is when schools are asking colleagues if they want to do it, as in yeah. it's not something that's you know, part of their performance management or something that's part of their job description. Because actually, you know, adults working in schools will have such a range of different experiences with mental health that it might be the time for them to talk about it and they might need to. So it's kind of just being open minded about who might want to drive this forward and not just having it as a role or a responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I think it's so key when you have it's a top down initiative, isn't it? Um, when 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 the head teacher or even you know even the CEO if it's an academy, when it's driven by them and it's embedded like you say into that system systemic change. And I think that's really important to talk about because what we've seen in the last I would say you know I was a teacher for eleven years so let's talk in the last 10, 10 15 years maybe a real shift from really not talking about mental health at all. Uh, and and it just never been really a conversation to when the more recent years much more of a conversation because people are coming to realization of their own mental health aren't they 
And I read a quite a shocking statistic, which I often refer to the wellbeing index that the Education Support Partnership did in 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a really good source. It's great. And I think, you know, if you're if you're a school leader, go and, go and read that wellbeing index. Um, because one of the things I read um, was that 60% of people who were surveyed would not feel comfortable disclosing a mental health issue to their employer. And we're yeah. talking teachers there. Yeah. Right, that's 60% of people who potentially are struggling um, with nowhere to go. And that's where, you know, like your book comes in, where the kind of, where you know, the new initiatives. But I don't believe personally that everybody is necessarily on, on board with all of that yet. Would you agree? Um, I think it's interesting because so the government has said that they want to have a mental health uh, lead in all schools by 2025 right. so that's good news because that mm -hmm. means that funding's being released mm -hmm. and i think that in itself tells even kind of traditional head teachers that may not mm -hmm. have you know discussed mental health as part of their explicit kind of support they offer for staff that begins to tell us a story doesn't it that it, it, yeah. it is something that's important because if the government are saying it is then that just gives the extra incentive. Um, and it, as I say, it releases extra funding for people to do some really fantastic courses, which will really help them to develop kind of a whole school change rather than it just being a, you know, a, a fad or a tick box thing mm, that you need to have yeah. because that's what Ofsted want to see or whatever. Yeah, and on that, um, we often hear the conversations about well-being in schools mm. And we say, oh, you know, we've got X, Y, Z on in, in school to, to, in my opinion, to tick the box of, you know, well-being as being provision, uh, as being given as provision. Um, but what really I, I'd like to drill down kind of the difference between talking about well-being and understanding mental health. Yeah, um, sure. um, and I think. I think a lot of the uh, people that I was kind of influenced by when I was starting to write and even think about writing were some fantastic people doing stuff on well-being like uh, Dr Emma Kell and Claire Erasmus. Mm -hmm. They'd started this kind of dialogue about teachers looking after their well-being and that kind of got me thinking, right, if they're going to be brave enough to talk about this, I want to make sure that there is something about specifically mental health and mm -hmm. the two are linked because you need to have kind of good levels of well-being to get, have good mental health but yeah. in theory you could have someone who has got a diagnosed mental health condition um, but have quite high levels of well-being because of the support strategies that are in place in their school. Mm, so yeah. they're definitely connected um, and schools need to have both of them working kind of parallel because if they're looking after staff well-being sincerely and in a, a really thoughtful way, then that means that people who are struggling with their mental health will have opportunities to recover, to get the right support. Um, whereas if it's just well-being the whole time, without this kind of support system for mental health, you're more likely to have staff being off and feeling quite isolated by that because they, they don't have a system or, of knowing what they are entitled to or what support they could have. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. I like the fact that you say, you know, they need to work hand in hand because often you find, in my experience, 
only really is that you know when you talk about well-being it's oh you know we've put on um I don't know a head massage session after school or at break time there's cakes in the staff room and for me that doesn't keep teachers alive do you know what I mean it it, it doesn't um those people who have are at the brink of breakdown that doesn't do anything for you in fact it just adds extra pressure because you've got to then make time after school to go to the head massage uh, person or you know you've got to go yeah. to the staff room at break when actually you needed to do something else and um what what does good well-being look like for you amy um i think it's having regular opportunities throughout the school year i think um, there needs to be a range of different things that people can opt into. So mm. like, for example, like an art therapy sort of session with people that want to do something creative, that's there if people want it. A staff choir, if they want to do that, that's an option. Mm. And it needs to be something that people can choose to do if it's going to yeah. help their well-being, rather than it that's being right. seen as like a dictated to this is what we're all going to do because we're all the same and it's going to help us all, you know, like yeah. that just isn't how human beings are. Great <laughs> no. point. Is there a place for some of those things that Emily's mentioned, though, that sort of had massages and the cakes in the staff room and, and so on? Or are they just sort of part of a menu of, of things that you could have? I think it depends on the culture of the school and whether it is a genuinely supportive uh, environment. So if the head teacher genuinely and, and all of the leaders in fairness you know actually mm -hmm. care about their staff to the point of getting them to know them as individuals then that stuff is just the icing on the cake yeah. um because it's like we're going to care about you and look after you the rest of the time but actually mm -hmm. as a bit of a treat have some cakes on a friday because do you know what that might just make you smile a bit when you're knackered yeah. from five yeah, lessons that day right. so mm -hmm. it can't be on its own and it no. has to be part of a genuine care otherwise it just becomes so tokenistic yeah very much we we're talking about mental health back to kind of mental health and and, and understanding that more what kind of things would someone, if they went on to a mental health first aiders course, what would they cover on that course? Um, so on the course, we went through uh, kind of how mental health is perceived in society and the sort of language that people might be using that could be quite kind of derogatory towards it and make people feel ashamed of their mental health. Mm. And then we had a look at kind of the four most common uh, mental health um, conditions within kind of teaching. So we looked at anxiety, depression, uh, PTSD and OCD. Right. And we kind of did some role play, not role plays, that sounds really cringy. Um, what's the word? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, that's a, my, my prejudice against well role plays coming out there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we did some case studies and uh, some examples of things that we could take back then to our school and say, actually, this is what uh, the Equality Act says, and this is what staff are going to be entitled to. So it was a really good course to do, just as an introduction, but yeah. that's all that course was. And that's fine, but it needed for me to then be able to take that further um, and to be able to look at, well, that's that course. How can we then develop this to make sure it's a whole school thing moving forward? Yeah. And how did you take that further? Was it just your own reading or did you take further courses? Um, so it's my own reading. It was the team of 14 mental health first aiders working with yeah. me, meeting regularly and 
sort of divvying up which bits we all wanted to do because you know like yes. some people that were librarians wanted to make sure they had a stock of mental health books mm. in the school mm-hmm. have a display outside the library about mental health books you know other people wanted to do posters um or run sessions for kids for training them so it was just i was very very lucky to work with people mm-hmm. that really cared about it but also to have the leadership team supporting it so that we were able to report to them and say, look, this is what we're going to do as a team, but you guys need to be doing this part so that if people are struggling, we know that any leader in our school has the capacity to have a conversation about mental health that's meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think it's it's really encouraging to hear that. I know it's only one case of where you were, but I, I know you work with other schools and try and promote the same thing. But it's really encouraging to hear that there's people actively working together to improve the system, if you like, um, and the understanding of mental health. Being as somebody who has, um, you know, had issues in the past with mental health I I live with bipolar so I know about it in terms of living with it and I think I guess I'm so passionate about it because I'd like people to talk to me about it and understand bipolar with me does that make sense Mm -hmm. Mm, because then you're not going to feel like you're alone or that you've got something to be ashamed of exactly and so that I wouldn't be one of the 60% who feels uncomfortable about talking about it but understandably given what we see in the media, given what we see in um, very, you know, social media, the the perception of bipolar particularly is quite negative. And this is why I was asking kind of what is covered on a mental health first aid course, you know, because I, f- I think it's vital personally that school leaders understand mental health diagnoses and what you have to live with. So I know that I I often give uh, my close friends and family or my people I'm working closely with, I'll give them information about bipolar. They kind of don't really get a choice because it's like, if you want to work with me, if you want to be my friend, this is what you need to know about me, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I I found that to be a really positive thing. But I'd like there to be a point where I don't have to do that. Yeah, and I think... I think the more that staff receive the right training, uh, you're right. The less, at, the less people will you won't, you won't have to do that anymore because people will mm-hmm. just be able to have the resources in their school or the right websites that they've been signposted to to like have a read up. Because I mean, all of the sorts of uh, you know mental health conditions that adults might be struggling with are going to be the same for our students. So mm-hmm. we need to know for everyone, and That's so. Right those conversations need to be happening um you know with with parents if they're worried about their child signposting them to the right support um and the same for teachers you know because ultimately schools are able to do quite a lot in terms of day-to-day support for mental health but there might be a point where there needs to be kind of external services that their members of staff are referred to um because it's not the right environment, because they feel safer doing it with uh, a stranger and not feeling like they're kind of in the building having to discuss things. Um, So I think having that range of kind of support services to signpost people to is really important. And I know that quite a lot of um, academy chains that I've worked with have got um, employee support where they have access to telephone counselling for a few sessions. And that could be enough for someone to get started on their journey to recovery by having that conversation with someone on the phone 
Um, so that's something that schools can consider whether they're signing up to that sort of scheme. Yeah. How do teachers or leaders or you know people working in education just deepen their knowledge about mental health though? Is there any one place they can go to or is it just the sort of range of you know like you've done courses and reading and, and everything else? How, how do yeah, they deepen I... their knowledge? Um, well, obviously they need to buy my book, but I mean, secondly, led you into that really nicely. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I felt like that was a bit of a controversial uh, yeah. question. But um, no, I suppose um, my book has drawn together lots of different things. But the, the websites mm-hmm. that I'd used kind of for my initial research were uh, the mental health charity Mind, um, Education Support, uh, the Mental Health Foundation, and Mental Health First Aid England. Yeah. So those are kind of the four resources that I signpost people to mm-hmm. um, because they've all got different aspects that have been quite helpful. Um, yeah. And the different parts of my book have been influenced by the different resources they've already got out there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's good to see that it's out there. But you're right. I suppose unless it's in a handy book, <laughs> you'd have to be <laughs> searching yeah. all of those websites. And, it, you know, that takes time, doesn't it? You just need yeah. it all in one place, basically. That's, that's yeah. the issue. And I presume as people have more conversations and there's more openness, that there will be more knowledge that's shared within those situations. Yeah, so that there'll be less need for seeking out extra knowledge, if that makes sense. Yeah, because it will just be like commonplace for line managers mm-hmm. to be talking to their staff about mental health. Like if they've if they've been absent and they want to talk about how they're feeling, like there needs to be a time and a place for that in schools. Um, And it might not be that it's their line manager that's having the conversation with them about their mental health Mm -hmm. because that's not the right person for them. But there needs to be a range of staff who are trained so that people can kind of select who they want to go to, I think. Yeah, definitely. Are there things that leaders need to do either more of or less of in, in supporting staff? So I think the sorts of things that would be uh, better for there to be more of would be Mm -hmm. staff, uh, leaders, making uh, their staff aware of the sorts of reasonable adjustments that are covered by mental health. So um, the Equality Act of 2010 basically says that employees of any job shouldn't be discriminated against for their physical health or their mental health. And so... The moment that came out, that started to change things because employees had to really take seriously the support they're offering their colleagues. And so I think in schools, there are lots of things that leaders could offer colleagues who are struggling with their mental health. So, for example, if they are at the point of needing medication for their mental health, it would be reasonable if they're having side effects of those medications to you know, maybe start the day a little bit later or to finish the school day a little bit earlier just while those side effects are Mm -hmm. kicking in. Mm, Um, It it could be reasonable for uh, a member of staff who is having counselling sessions regularly to have the option not to come into school afterwards Mm -hmm. Um, because I think increasingly Mm. mental health services are under a lot of strain and the waiting list for counselling are ridiculous. So... Yeah. If someone is lucky enough to get counselling appointments, they may not have the luxury of choosing what time of the day that is. Yeah. And the, the whole thing about, you know, you can't just come back to school after counselling mm. and yeah. put on that performance for 30 children and do the counselling work properly. 
Like there needs mm -hmm. to be an understanding that what is going on in counselling is not a quick fix. It could be worse in the short term because you're having to go through things that have been really tricky and unpick yeah. things. And so giving colleagues that time to invest in them to recover mm -hmm. is something that schools should be able to do. Um, so it's, it's those sorts of things that are reasonable kind of in the yeah. short term while a colleague is starting to recover and starting to get other support. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's really, really important points. And as someone who's been through both of those things, I would say it would have been lovely for me to have had those uh, reasonable adjustments made. I often find, though, that um, we talked about people being you know, worried to kind of disclose things and uh, talk about it. You know, some some school leaders might kind of do a blanket. No, I'm not kind of entertaining yeah. it. What happens when you hit the walls? What happens when, you know, you're really not getting anywhere and you're not um, being listened to and you're not kind of being understood? I know the Equality Act comes into it, so there is a legal side of things, but sometimes they kind of, uh, um, staff are made to feel like they can't talk about it and shouldn't talk about it anymore. Yeah, and I think I think that's a real shame when that happens because mm. it's inevitably going to make the person feel even worse about the fact they're struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're like, look, this is something that could be reasonable to help me. And if someone's saying mm. no, like, that's not okay, is it? That's not no. good enough. So, like, mm. I think, you know, if if that situation happened, the head teacher definitely needs to be involved. And if they need to be given more information about the condition that you're struggling with, then that might be the way forward. I mean, it's such a tricky situation. And I'd like to think that if enough people were trained in a school on the mm -hmm. leadership team generally, that if you do have the really unfortunate situation of having a line manager that's like that, there would be a range of people you could go to. Yeah, we've talked about kind of teachers and stuff, but I, you know, we work with we work with senior leaders and head teachers, and I've found in the past that they tend to be the ones that don't really talk very much about their own mental health, because everyone's looking to them for all the answers every day, every minute of the day, and you know, being on a senior leadership team, you get to kind of see inside the head's office, so you get to see the the amount of times they're asked different questions in the day, the amount of times the phone rings, the demands that are put on this head teacher, pretty much to kind of you know do everything. Um, they often are the ones that don't really talk about their mental health or even ask for help. What? Would you advise for if any, if there are any senior leaders or head teachers listening to this who, you know, they're, they're maybe dreading going back in September, but they know they've got to face up because they're the head teacher or if there's something that is going on with them that they need help with, what would be your advice for them? I feel like you're asking me like an agony aunt. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we should set something up. <laughs> I think, no, I think that's a really valid point and I think... Uh, that's something I was quite conscious of uh, writing the book and working with schools that it's really, really tricky because there's an assumption that because head teachers are head teachers, that they somehow got like this superhero resilience, yeah. which means yeah, that they yes. don't have mental health at all because mm. they're totally fine. And actually, um, I think it's about as them feeling like it's safe to be a role model talking about their mental health. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, it's okay to say, do you know what? Um, 
I didn't do any work on Sunday because I just needed to spend some time with my kids or I needed to do some exercise. And it's yeah. it's having that environment where colleagues then go, oh, okay, it's all right to do that. Yeah. And for yes. them to feel safe, kind of exposing the fact that they are actually human beings and they do yeah. need to look after their mental health in the same way. And mm. so kind of role modelling habits and creating that environment of it's okay to not work the whole weekend or to not work every evening is really really important and it's really hard but it is setting boundaries for yourself um yes even as a head teacher it's about protecting that time and it's about saying look i don't care i know i've got a governor's meeting after school that day i know i've got that meeting on that day after school but actually every wednesday i'm going to go swimming with my kids Every yeah. Friday after school, I'm going to play squash and protecting mm. that time as if it's as essential and non-negotiable as the governor's meeting. Yeah. Because yeah, that's great. You then have that capacity of having that lovely time of just switching off and doing something that brings you a lot of joy um, without the pressure of school life. And I think it's really, really tricky. The other thing... Um, I think would be quite helpful is for um, supervision for head teachers. Yes. So there's kind of like lots of different things kind of upcoming on Twitter with teacher head teacher supervision hubs, mm-hmm. um, and that being a way for head teachers to offload kind of in a safe way because the the amount of uh, things that potentially could trigger poor mental health in a school that we have to deal with every day is insane. Mm. And yeah. as a head teacher, you're then having to deal with that plus mm. staff mental health things that are happening, which may trigger something for you as, alongside that. So it's basically about head teachers making sure that they've got a safe space to feel heard themselves as well, so that they're not just constantly absorbing everything else without looking after themselves, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a great point. Amy, are there any other strategies and things that you think schools can implement in order to improve or improve well-being or mental health understanding or feel so that people feel more comfortable in talking about it? I think probably the other thing is um, giving teachers training on how to listen to conversations mm. about mental health, because I think a lot of the time, Um, and I'm guilty of this as well teachers are naturally kind of problem solvers and fixers and so we're looking for a solution all the time and we're we're trying to solve things day to day for children that we look after Mm. but it's quite rare that we actually have the time and the space to really listen in a way that would enable them to kind of open up about mental health and I think um, there's a really good book called How to Listen by a lady called Katie Columbus and it was written in partnership with the Samaritans Mm -hmm. and in that book it gives lots and lots of different tips about how to listen um, in a way that will be supportive and genuinely change things for people Mm. so I think Mm -hmm. teachers being trained to actively listen to each other and have those conversations about mental health really really helps because it's not something you're taught in teacher training Mm -hmm. Um, it's not something that you're taught unless you do a specific course but actually like all teachers need to know how to facilitate conversations about mental health with colleagues but also how to talk about it in a meaningful way for themselves when they're struggling so I think that's something that could be introduced quite easily yeah that's great and I think as well you know with with the fact that everyone is talking about mental health far more in society than than ever before 
I always get a bit disappointed when I see, you know, tweets about, oh, you know, um, my head teacher emailed me on a Sunday at eight o'clock and needs something for the next morning. And or, you know, um, I was in school till half six tonight. And there's kind of still these like poor practices that are going on (laughs) across schools that really should be stopped because we know that they're anxiety inducing they're promoting overworking there's that expectation that you know you need to be seen to be the last one at the first one in and the last last one out um and we could break that quite instantly couldn't we by putting into our policies that these things don't happen but it's still happening yeah yeah i guess um again that needs to be something that is um role modeling behavior from the leadership team so in our school leaders will not send any emails after 5 p.m every day and that's Mm -hmm. like a policy and if a member of staff wants to send an email late there shouldn't be the expectation that it's answered because i guess it needs to be flexible because lots of teachers say for example PE teachers in our school only check their computers at the end of the day because they're out doing pe so They need to have the option to do emails in the evening and send them in the evening, but not expect to reply. And it's kind of down to you as an individual to have those boundaries as well, I think, isn't it? Because if the leadership Mm. team are role modelling good practice and aren't sending stuff out to you, then actually they're doing that for a reason. And so you should be able to think about, you know, not putting your email on your phone or Mm. having a cut off point where it shuts off the app. You know, there's ways of putting those boundaries into place for you as an individual but there does need to be a systemic decision that actually, as leaders, we are not going to send emails after a certain time because yeah. we care about our staff mental health. And so, if you really have to, press the schedule button and send it yeah, in the yeah, morning. Yeah, schedule it. Yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. It, there's ways of doing it. But yeah. I think it, there's two problems. If leadership teams are expecting that, that is a problem. But yeah. also yeah. kind of part of kind of the teacher personality is that need to feel like you're on top of things the whole time and be in charge exactly it's, it's, yeah and, and that then creates this momentum which is really unhealthy so mm. i think as teachers we need to be self-aware enough that we can see when that's happening for us and to say no hang on a minute i don't i don't need to prove myself that email is not going to get anything uh, achieved more mm. quickly and it's not mm. going to make that person feel good reading that at 8 p.m so it's a kind of a two-tiered thing you, you you need to have your personal boundaries but you need to have a system that's got it in place as well I guess yeah I think it definitely needs to go through like a gate a gatekeeping process where you kind of go <laughs> is this is this going to be useful to that person how are they going to feel when they get it because I yeah. have conversations with you know head teachers SLT but I also have conversations with NQTs and mm. often it's the NQTs who feel far more obliged to reply to those things and then they get themselves so I mean it's not just look it's not just reading emails eight o'clock that's going to drive you to breakdown but it's one of the things that is the catalyst of many things it's going to add to it isn't it that's right yeah and I think you know I always I'm very like pro don't have your work emails on your phone don't um feel like you need to answer them Uh, but I can say that kind of 11 years in and being a bit you know cocky about it um (laughs) because I can whereas somebody who feels quite obliged to do these things and just say yes 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 to the point of then burnout um I think that's a real problem yeah and I think probably that's why kind of um 
trainee teachers and early career teachers need to have uh, training about looking after their mental health from the beginning. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. what will happen is they'll get into bad habits really, really quickly. And it's not, it might not be the school they're in. It, as I say, it might just be part of their, you know, wanting to do well, wanting to be successful drive. Yeah. But if they haven't been told, you need to make sure you've got a decent packed lunch every day and you're trying to eat healthily, that you're doing exercise, that you're sleeping well, you know, all those basic stuff, that needs to be actually explicitly taught to them as a way to look after your mental health, rather than them doing all of the things to maximum capacity, burning out, and then trying to yeah. pull that back. That's a lot harder. Mm. Mm-hmm. And also just being allowed to say no. Yes, you know, exactly. I, I, I feel like I feel like we don't encourage that enough generally, but we don't definitely don't encourage it enough in schools. It's like someone comes to you and asks you to do something or you get an email and whatever and you just you're allowed to say no. <laughs> and I think this is kind of like a phenomenon really that hasn't really been kind of adopted by m- most people. Um so we're coming to the kind of the end of this uh, session with you Amy. It's been incredible to talk to you. Um I'm going to ask you, can it be done? Can we do this? Like, can teachers who live with complex mental health diagnoses or, um, you know, generalised mental health, anxiety, depression, can it be done? Can they thrive as teachers now in in the state that education is in at the minute? Yeah, I think if their school is committed to supporting staff mental health, has the right training, has the right knowledge and has the right capacity then yes it can be done and I've seen lots and lots of examples of people who have had periods of poor mental health have got the right support and have then been able to kind of change their roles slightly or you know change certain aspects of their role with the support of the leadership team to really stay in teaching and enjoy it Um, And that is happening more and more and there is hope, but it's just got to be this commitment to getting staff trained, getting people uh, kind of more comfortable talking about mental health and using the government funding to make sure that you're getting a mental health lead trained. Because if you've got, you know, if the government finally giving some money to schools to be able to do this then people need to realize that that could be a massive massive shift in your school and even if it's one person that's doing the mental health lead course um that doesn't mean that the journey will stop there that then opens up a whole range of possibilities for other people that want to get on board and want to support moving it forward so yes it can be done um it's just going to take a bit of time for everyone to get the right knowledge and Mm. ideas of what support they can share i think yeah Mm. and if somebody's listening to this as a school leader and thinking actually we as a school we need to get on board with this we need to do something about it what would you suggest their first step needs to be um so the first step i think needs to be to get get the funding from the government um because that will get you Uh, I think it's £1,200 and that will then mean that you are able to sign on to a mental health lead course Um, and that could start the journey because I think you need to show someone in your school that you care enough to to Mm -hmm. allow them time to do this um, and to have a genuine impact so I think that's probably the first thing that schools mm-hmm. need to do immediately while the government still gives some money for it <laughs> yeah that's brilliant just jump on it <laughs> and amy where can people get in touch with you how can they buy your book what can they do to contact you 
Okay, so I am on Twitter at Amy Sayer AS, capital letters at the end. Um, they can email me at dramysayer at hotmail.com. And my book is available from all independent retailers. Um, it's available from Jessica Kingsley Publishing directly and it is available from Amazon. Fantastic. And the name of the book is um, Supporting Staff Mental Health in Your School. Um, yeah. Go out and buy it. Change the world. Change the system. Let's look after people. Put people's mental health at the centre of what we do because if we have healthy teachers, we have healthy kids. Um, and it, it really can be a game changer if you get this right and if you make a commitment to it then the staff that you work with will you'll, you'll free them to to become better I suppose mentally physically and uh, grow your community in that way thank you Amy you've been an absolute pleasure to talk to we've been really lucky to speak to you today thank you so much for your contribution today and uh, keep in touch with us will you yeah for sure thank you very much guys thank you so much for listening to Talking Teachers brought to you by Twinkle SLT we have resources for all school leaders at SLT whether you're middle leader senior leader to help you lead your school effectively and save time Check us out at twinkle.co.uk forward slash SLT. See you next time.